Howdy, folks. Good morning. It is Tuesday, August 8th. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Rob Litterst, and this is the Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, which is unfortunately, apparently losing its lead. We're going to discuss that and a whole bunch of other things that are probably making their way onto Bob Iger's to-do list. But before we do, let's talk about what else is happening in the world of business and tech. Let's get crack lack. Rob, what have you been watching? So the first thing on my plate is more beef with Mr. Beast. Mm. Mr. Beast, you might have heard, sued Virtual Dining Concepts last week, the ghost kitchen company that he partnered with on Mr. Beast Burgers for allegedly serving inedible food. But interestingly, this week we have a countersuit from Virtual Dining Concepts who is suing Mr. Beast for $100 million alleging breach of contract disparagement. (laughs) I guess kind of a uh, cautionary tale for creators that are looking to build a food business. It is an interesting story. I think when he came out with this ghost kitchen concept for his burger brand, you saw all these people coming out saying, this is the future creators with big followings moving into brick and mortar commerce. You can see here, even with the biggest YouTuber in the world, it's not that easy to do. I don't know if you listened to that recent My First Million, shout out Sam and Sean from My First Million, but they interviewed Mr. Beast's manager, this guy Reed, I think Dusher is his last name. And he was talking about Feastables, their new chocolate bar company. That's smarter. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like a ghost kitchen initiative. It's going to be really hard to have a consistent food experience. Whereas a chocolate bar, it's kind of just like cookie cutter approach to manufacturing. Agreed. JC, what have you been looking at? So one thing I was looking at was the Play Place, you know, at the local McDonald's near you. They used to be known for, I guess, collecting germs, right? Now, uh, apparently they're known for collecting dust. Dine-in customers will make up less than 10% of visits to U.S. McDonald's locations nowadays. Pre-COVID, that number was closer to 25%. So big change there. Anyway, in other news, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway reported an obscene amount of cash on hand, $147.38 billion last quarter, leading its shares to a record high Monday. Meanwhile, I cannot describe the feeling of excitement I get when I find a $1 bill tucked in an old pair of pants, you know, to keep things in perspective. Also, speaking of a nice chunk of change, the Biden administration and the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, will create a program to provide up to $200 million over three years to help build up K-12 schools and libraries' cybersecurity defenses. Also, Elon Musk's brain chip startup Neuralink has raised $280 million in a funding round led by Founders Fund months after securing approval for its first in-human clinical trials. And lastly, speaking of, Tesla will lose its CFO, Zach Kirkhorn, at the end of the year. As one analyst told Bloomberg, he's done a 13-year tour of duty working for Elon, which is like working 50 years for anyone else. And with that, let's get to today's main story. All right, JC, what is happening at Disney? Okay, so it's an interesting time at Disney. We've got Bob Iger back in the saddle. You know, Bob Iger, he'd probably be the first to tell you he is bad at retirement. Totally. You know, throughout his tenure, 
as Disney CEO since 2005 when he first started. He thought about retiring a few times. He considered running for president, but didn't. He eventually decided to retire, but it had to be pushed off because of the pandemic. Then he finally did retire late in 2021. And as we all know, he returned about two years later, succeeding his own successor, which is pretty awkward. And now we're back with him in the saddle. Of course, part of the problem is he's just really, really good at his job. Disney stock rose more than 500% in his first stint as CEO. Part of the problem is also that I'm sure he loves his job. But the last part of the problem is that there are few people, if any, better suited to tackle the company's growing to-do list for solving a fresh set of challenges. Yeah, this guy is built where he just needs to be working. <laughs> you mentioned that he considered running for president. I think there's like this funny line from his wife, Willow Bay, who has had a really successful career in broadcast journalism herself. But she said something like, I wanted him to unretire and go back to Disney to avoid him running for president. Right. But like this guy, like literally just has one of those work ethics that I feel like he's the typical guy who's just like, he's got a million things going on. And when he's retired, he's still working on a million things. And it's probably better for him to be in an office somewhere than be bugging <laughs> his wife about random right. stuff all day. Yeah. He said he wanted to retire back in the day at a point where he would still be able to physically keep going, doing something else. Yeah. He didn't just want to like retire and sit around. Right. But I guess that something else has turned back into more Disney. And I think it could be interesting for us right now to kind of walk through what we imagine his current to-do list looks like. Yeah, let's do it. So I think the first thing on his to-do list is steer ESPN in the right direction. Mm -hmm. This cable cords are continuing to get cut. Live sports rights are increasingly fragmented, becoming increasingly expensive. It's just a bad recipe for ESPN right now. A little more than 70 million people still have access to ESPN. That's down from a high of around 100 million around a decade ago and dropping fast. So he sees a future where ESPN offers just the flagship sports streaming service for everything. The company doesn't want to even offer that reportedly until cord cutting sinks numbers below 50 million subscribers. And even creating a good offering once that happens will mean cutting lots of complex deals and potentially short-term profits. So it's a weird time for ESPN right now and a tough time ahead. I think to your point, it seems like it would be really easy from the outside looking in for ESPN to just go to streaming and just make a bunch of money in streaming and boom, like Disney would be in great shape. But what people don't realize is just that they have the highest carriage fees in cable right. and they make so much money still, so much more money than other channels through the cable model. And so at the end of the day, I think they would actually prefer to go back to, you know, 10 years ago. For sure. Now, the next thing I think on his to-do list is just <laughs> figuring out the entire future business model of TV, following <laughs> up on this. Obviously a tough task, but, you know, looking beyond things like the writers and actors strike, which is hard to do, he has tapped his former Disney kingpins, Kevin Meyer and Tom Staggs, to help think through just what to do next with properties like ABC and other legacy TV properties, too. So that'll be probably a big part of what he spends his time on now. Another thing related in a weird way is he has to redo his succession. You know, the pressure is going to be on now to make a much better choice this time around after his last pick, Bob Chapek, lasted less than three years. So that'll be a big topic of discussion. I'm sure investors are thinking a lot about that. I'm sure the board is thinking a lot about that. Another thing is going to be to kind of fix Pixar. In 2006, Iger's first big move ever at Disney as CEO was revamping the entire company and especially Disney Animation 
by acquiring Pixar from Steve Jobs for $7.4 billion. And now Pixar itself is facing really underperforming box office numbers, and he's going to have to try to find Nemo's groove again. And not just that, but outside of Pixar, Disney has seen a bunch of box office duds, and there's some work to be done in that department. There is a certain time period where literally every Pixar movie was amazing. And this wasn't that long ago, like five years ago or something like that, where all of their movies had had unbelievable box office performance. Mm -hmm. When he acquired Pixar, the idea was to let them do their thing, but also to bring in the talent that can reinvigorate Disney animation generally. And that's worked for a long while, but something, maybe it was the pandemic, focus on Disney Plus, whatever, something knocked them off course. And he's going to have to figure out how to put them back on. The last thing, and this is a kind of hot take, but I think it could be interesting. And I just want to put it out there because I just read it in his book. I wonder if a merge with Apple is on the horizon Uh, A few years down the road, once they button up some of these other things first, I definitely would not count on it. But he has said previously, it's what Steve Jobs would have wanted, you know, Apple potentially to acquire Disney. So you never know. And I think it could be a cool way to ride out into the sunset if I were Bob Iger. So long story short, though, with Disney earnings coming up tomorrow and shares down moderately since his return, I'd expect Iger to face some heat tomorrow and probably to add a few dozen more gargantuan tasks to his docket in the next week. But we will see. He's got his work cut out for him. I'm excited to listen to that and see what he's got in store, because Bob Iger, he's an operator, man. He can get stuff done. He certainly can. And bada bing, bada boom. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig. Our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. And you can subscribe to that at thehustle.co slash email. Hope you have an awesome Tuesday. Catch you right here tomorrow.